Kings. Second Kings. Sometimes, uh, sometimes questions or or even uh, sometimes raised eyebrows uh, will remind you sometimes of some of the logistics or even sometimes the difficulties of even maybe the next coming months or the next year as we begin to start a new church plant in in Ipirot. I was just talking, you know, one. Just are, you, is there, are there going to be any believers there, or are you starting from scratch? Uh, somebody else was asking, so is there? There's, so there's nothing there right now. Or are you going to be helping a missionary? And I said, no, no. There's just just a piece of land. There's just there's just ground there right now. Oh, okay. So there's nothing. Right, right. There's nothing. And uh, and well, what I'm getting at is is the fact that as sometimes people make those those statements, as always too, it is a reminder, right? It is the reminder, and, and all of us deal with that. That's my, that's my big worry, or those are my unknowns. But each and every one of us have those, don't, they? don't we? And there's at times where when we are faced with adversity or when we are faced with a challenge, and when God begins to, pl- to, to place either people on our hearts or place different ministries on our hearts or just different challenges that He brings along our ways, we can sometimes get worried. We can, we, can, we can become fearful. And we can become even, even hesitant, if you will. And we realize that we need to have just simply faith. We need to have faith in God. We need to have faith that God will be with us to be able to help us through that. I remember one of the big ones to me as I was starting to leave Brazil was even just that property. I thought, well, okay, 57,000. All right, Lord, but what if only 5,000 comes in? You know, what do you, what do, you do then? And, you know, the, as you begin to realize, as the Lord begins to place different things on your heart and places a vision and places those challenges, He's going to be faithful to help you through it. And it's so good for us to be able to go back and remember God's faithfulness in the past. I think that's one of the biggest things that we can be reminded of. How many times did Moses say? I mean, all of Deuteronomy was trying to remind the Israelites, don't forget what God did. Tell those to your children. Tell those to your grandchildren. And I think that's also too very important for us to reminisce about God's faithfulness. Reminisce about God's goodness to us and to, his, and, 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 and to what He can do in the future. Because we realize the God of the past is what? The God of the future. He's the God of now. And we know that. We know He is, he is, he is eternal from, from past to, to the future. He's always been. He always is. He's everywhere. But there's also another little thing. He's invisible. Right? And what are we? We are very visible creatures, aren't we? We like to be able to see. We like to be able to see. We like to be able to see the results. We like to be able to see and, and to know. And, and yes, we go into our Bible. And yes, we go to church. And we realize that, that, that simple fact. God is, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's right there. He's right there beside me as I, as I wake up in the morning. He's right there in the living room. He's right there in the middle of my problem of that day. 
But so many times it's hard for us to be reminded of the invisible. Isn't that what faith is? Faith is believing in the invisible. And one of the other key things that we'll see here in this story right here in 2 Kings chapter 6 is we're also being able to look at even the power of prayer. How many of you think that the discipline of prayer is one of the hardest disciplines in the Christian, in the Christian walk? We begin to pray. Maybe it's a repeat prayer. Maybe it's a prayer that we've already prayed literally a hundred times. And then sometimes as we get back up from after from praying, we also begin to say, okay, I prayed. But now what? Am I supposed to do something? What's the results? And there's no way for us to be able to quantify even just the power of prayer. Or even be able to quantify what did that prayer do? But one of the biggest things that prayer does is that it helps us to see the invisible. It helps us to recognize our God. Just to be reminded, God, you're here. Let me talk to you. God, I know you're here. Let me pray to you. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 8. It's kind of a little bit of an obscure story. It's actually kind of a funny story if you, if we, if you went into all the details of this, of this story, which we're not going to do. But it's a, it's a story of Syria against Israel. Syria and Israel, they're rivals. They've been going at it for forever. And Syria is always, talk, is always trying to go after Israel. And each time, God is showing himself in a mighty way. It is kind of interesting that God even shows himself to Syria, too. But in so many ways, many of these stories represent Syria as the world or as Satan. And Satan does not give up. It says in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8, it says, Then the king of Syria, what is the king of Syria doing? Warred. Warred against Israel, and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and what's the next word? Saved himself there, not once nor twice. We begin to see right here in just this, uh, this, this, this story right here that we find in the Old Testament. We see Syria wanting to attack. He wants to catch the people of God off guard. And what does God do? He warns them. He tells them of the danger. Are there a lot of invisible dangers all around us? Is there all kinds of pitfalls that we could fall into spiritually? We do know that there is a spiritual warfare happening all around us. And God wants us to be able to be warned of just different, different areas in our lives. Has the Holy Spirit many times warned you of different places, different things, different thoughts? Right? The Bible tells us that we should capture those thoughts and throw, throw many of them away. The Holy Spirit in God is always trying to warn us to not fall into some of these traps, not to fall into some of, these, some of these dangers. We see the man of God doing that. This is Elisha. 
Elisha is the man of God right here in this story. And Elisha goes to the king of Israel and says, Oh yeah, by the way, God revealed to me that the king of Syria is going to attack exactly right there. Wow. That'd be kind of neat, right? Well, guess what? Many times God does that right in his word. He tells us. He tells us of the different, the different tactics that Satan uses. He tells us of different weaknesses that the flesh has. He tells us to put on the armor of God. God also wants to warn us, warn us of difficulty areas in our lives. God does the same thing here with Elisha. He begins to use Elisha to be able to warn Israel. And what I like about it is Israel listens. They didn't always listen, but here they do. And what happens? They're saved. Simple as that. They listened, they reacted, and they were saved. God began to send in that protection to Israel. He did it not just once, not twice, but at least three different times. Every time he wanted to attack, Israel was ready. When Satan loses a couple of times, three times, does he give up? No. He keeps on going. He keeps on trying. Year after year, he keeps on trying to try to get us away from our walk with the Lord. It says in, in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 11, it says, Then the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing, and he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? Or in other words, could you tell me who the spy is? Is basically what he's saying in verse 11. Tell me who's the spy. Verse 12. And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king. But Elisha the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, the king, go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him saying, behold, he is in Dothan. Look at verse 14. Therefore sent he hither sent he thither. What does he send? What's the next word? Horses. And he also sends what? Chariots. And a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. When we begin to look at this, all of a sudden he's, he's convinced that there has to be a spy. There's no way they're going to know where I'm going to attack every time. And I like it that one of the servants, not an Israelite, notice that it's actually somebody from Syria, an unbeliever, if you will. An unbeliever knows who's behind this? God is. The prophet of God. Elisha, he knows what you're saying in your bedroom. He's the one telling the secrets. It's kind of neat to be able to see that the world knew that what was going on over there was of God. Wouldn't that be so neat if that was the testimony of our family? Wouldn't that be neat if that was the testimony of Clinton Baptist Church? That people said, wow, what's going on there? That's of the Lord. That was what was happening right here in this story 
The servant knew that it was of God. Once again, though, the king of Syria, he wasn't to be thwarted. He wasn't ready to give up. He said, all right, if that's who's telling my secrets, where is he? Let's go after him. He finds out that they're in the city of Dothan, and then all of a sudden he seriously doesn't mess around. In verse 14 it says he sends horses, he sends chariots, and a great host. When does he come? Middle of the night. Compasses the city. How many are they going after again? One? Two, if you want to count the servant. And he goes in and he compassed the whole city of Dothan. Now I'll try out maybe some of your real obscure Sunday school knowledge. Dothan, not a very well-known city. Anybody remember when Dothan is mentioned in the Bible? What's the other, stu what's the other story that has Dothan in it? Everyone's looking in those cross-references in their Bible, aren't they? They're like, okay, where's, where's Dothan? Where's Dothan? Go ahead. No. Good guess, though. There's a lot of them back there. A lot of them are those. There you go. Joseph. Joseph, he was going, he was trying to find his brothers. Remember? And he was trying to find out where his brothers went, and, the, and they were asking questions. They said, over in Dothan. Joseph then begins to make his way towards Dothan. Remember, he's wearing the coat of many colors. They see the dreamer coming. And all of a sudden, they grab him, they find their opportunity, and they throw him into a well. Actually, Dothan means that. Dothan means two wells. If you go to Dothan, they'll actually even have one saying that that's where Joseph's well was. Whether that's the one or not, I don't know. But it means two wells. But I bring, that, I bring that point up for a reason. Dothan was there, and as we begin to think about Joseph, and as he comes in and he's thrown into the well, and his brothers, they throw him there, and they're ready to kill him, or they're ready to sell him as a slave. Joseph was in dire straits, was he not? He's worried. He's rightly worried. He, he believes that maybe his own brothers are going to kill him. Do you think Joseph would have cried out to the Lord? I, I can guarantee it. Wouldn't you? Lord, help me. What's going on? What's the situation? He would have obviously cried out to his own brothers, but he also would have pleaded to God. God, help me out of this situation. God, save me. Remember the dreams you gave me. Remember all of this. What's this all about? Why is this happening? Does God come in and save the day for Joseph on that day? Does God come up? He doesn't come up in a literal way at that point. He doesn't come up and save Joseph from being sold as a slave. Now, he did save him from being killed. But all of a sudden, he is sold as a slave. And from a practical perspective, from a visual perspective, God doesn't show up for 13 years. Now, the Bible wants to make sure that we don't make a mistake here. What does the Bible say? If you go back into Genesis, you'll notice that when he was in Potiphar's house, it says, and the Lord was what? With him. 
If he goes back and you see him in prison, you go back to those verses and it says the same thing. And the Lord was with him. If you go on and as we're going to in just this little story here, we realize that in this story of Dothan, God comes in with all of his armies and saves the day. Please do not confuse God's presence with whether he came in and saved you from that problem today. So many times we always equate the fact of whether God is here or whether God is, is, is right beside us as if everything is going well. We need to be reminded of the fact that God is right there with us each and every day. And I love the fact that even though we don't get to know all the nuances and everything that went through Joseph's mind, we do realize that Joseph in some great and almost unbelievable way was still able to know that God was with him through it all and he stayed faithful. And later on he says, God meant it all for good. God had a purpose for it. He saw God, even though God didn't come in with his mighty army to save the day. So it's interesting as we look at just this city of Dothan, that there's one time where God says, no, this Dothan story, this Dothan situation, I've got another reason behind it. I'm with you, but I'm not going to come in and save you this day. I'm going to teach you through it. And this other story that we're reading now, God does come in with his shining, shining army and his soldiers and his horses. But please, we need to remember for ourselves that God's presence isn't linked with whether we have escaped the problem that day. Look at verse 15. It says, And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, or his servant said unto Elisha, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he, Elisha, answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are what? More than they that be with them. You see, the servant of the man of God, he got out of his tent or he, he got out of his house. And as he began to look and face the problems of that day, and he looks out and what does he see? <laughs> he saw the problems. He saw the army of the Syrians. He saw them literally compass the city round about. And he was scared. He knew why they were there. There was no other good reason for them to be around Dothan other than to capture his master. He knew that Elisha had been telling the secrets of the Syrians to the king of Israel. And as he began to, he, he, he's scared. He knows why they're there. They're after him. And as he begins to look at that daunting danger that was right in front of him, he's thinking we're going to die. Even the people from Dothan are just going to hand us over. But what about Elisha? Elisha says what? What are those words that we see all through the Bible? Fear not. Don't need to be scared. Don't you realize that there's more with us 
than that are with them? Don't you see it? Our God is more powerful than any other God. We mentioned this morning about, was it a fair competition between God and Baal? Was it a fair competition? No. God wins every time. And Elisha, in his cool and calm and collected manner that you seem to see throughout all of his life and his ministry, he's just saying, we don't have anything to worry. We've got God on our side. We've got God to be able to help us with the difficulties of today. Okay, so the difficulties look a little bit bigger today. That's okay. Our God is still bigger than that. Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Sometimes I wonder if maybe the man of God didn't get to see the spiritual side because maybe he hadn't woken up that morning and prayed. Maybe he hadn't had that time with God. Elisha, who learned with, from, from walking right beside Elijah, a man of prayer, maybe he had that time in prayer before he got out of his tent. And as he goes out and looks does he see the problem? Yes, he does. But he also sees God. I want to look at one last verse right here in this, in this story. It says in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 17, it says, And Elisha, what's the next word? Prayed. And said, Lord, I pray, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. You see, Elisha realized the solution. His servant was not seeing. And he realized the only way that he would is through the power of what? power of prayer and he prayed and he said God open his eyes help him to see spiritually help him to see the invisible help him to be able to see that you are greater than them that you are more powerful than them and what does God do opens his eyes helps him to be able to see you know what? God wants to be able to do the same exact thing for each and every one of us. Many times we, we get distracted. We're very visual people. And we get distracted by all of the things that are happening all around us. And we literally go through different days of the week. Different weeks sometimes. Without really noticing God in the middle, in the middle of the situation. Whether it's with a problem or whether it's just our regular day-to-day -day life. And we need to be saying, God, I want to be able to see the invisible. Lord, help me. One of the biggest ways to be able to do that is to be able to help out in the area of our prayer life. Be able to help us to be able to pray so that we might be able to see the invisible. And then we can begin to remember that wonderful truth. Greater is he that is in you than what? Than he that is in the world. The Bible continues to echo that theme throughout all of the time. Hezekiah said it when Sennacherib began to attack him. 
He said to his people, he said, Be strong and courageous, be not afraid, nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with him, for there be more with us than with him. Do you think Hezekiah may not have heard that story of Elisha? Heard that growing up? He continues on and he says, With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Can you imagine yourself resting on those words that God is bigger than our enemy, knowing that there was probably at least 200,000 soldiers around your city? But the Bible says that they rested. And for good reason. God sends in the death angel and kills 185,000 that night. And then the rest run. Our God is big. And yes, there's all kinds of big obstacles to the gospel. There's all kinds of negative and problems, that'll, neg negative things that can happen in our lives. And there's all kinds of problems that may come into our lives. But if we can say, Lord, I know that you are bigger than any of all of that. Help me to be able to see. Help me to be able to believe. And then to be able to have that decision and say, Lord, help me to pray so that I can see all of those things. Romans chapter 8, verses 37 was kind of the theme for Victory Baptist Church, the church we just planted. And that's the simple theme of we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. If we could continue to echo those same phrases as we continue to have that spiritual battle and continue to say, God, help me to be able to see you. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Dear God of heaven,